Hey, folks, Tom and Keith, and we want to send a big shout-out to the Dunlap Champions Club, which has been the sponsor of Front Row Knowles podcast for some time now. Hopefully during the 2017 season, you got a chance to sample it. I know on the field, the season may not have gone the way you wanted, but uh, off the field, the experience remained top shelf inside the Dunlap Champions Club. Without question, the, the ability to go to a ball game, to, to be inside when it's hot, to have refreshments, food, drink, those types of things. And you and I both, Tom, have talked about, uh, particularly during this semester, school semester, We've been in there for other functions, and certainly many of our listeners uh, should have the opportunity and will have the opportunity to be there for other than football games. If you're a member, you've got that opportunity on Friday nights prior to the game. You can do things on Sunday. It's uh, obviously attached to the University Center Club. Uh, it's a great all-around venue for anything that's going on during the weekend. It was built with 365 days a year function space or functions in mind. I'll, I'll remind you that uh, next year, 2018, Seven home games on the schedule, including Virginia Tech, Florida, and Clemson. Plant that little seed. Now, if you want more info, go to fsuclubseats.com or fsuchampionsclub.com. And now, without further ado, Front Row Knowles. Broadcasting live from the Prime Meridian Bank studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, online at ctf.nu. Now, here's Tom and Keith. Good evening, everybody. We welcome you into Front Row Knowles. Tom and KJ with you. Keith, good to see you. Merry Christmas. Two nights in a row. How about that? A bonus. How are you? Doing well. Doing good. well. It is uh, National Signing Day um, 2.0 or 1.0. Yeah, was, that's, why, that's why I was struggling. I don't know what to call it because we've never done this before. But anyway, it starts why the early signing days too, by the way. I don't know. Well, isn't the one in February technically two months? Just everybody signs the first well, just day. Start time, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. It's uh, obviously been a slow start for Florida State, as was predicted. Our Seminoles dot com insider Tim Linnefelt will join us uh, next segment. He'll tell us about the guys that uh, have inked with Florida State. But given that you had coaching transition and Willie Taggart just got here literally two weeks ago and had to go visit uh, everybody under the sun. Uh, FSU didn't expect to have much done by this point. They will get much more done by February, and then I think he'll really start making hay in future years. But it, it leads to the bigger question about this signing day. What have we accomplished by moving this up six weeks? I don't, I don't think we've really accomplished much of anything. I think if you're a fan or a believer that there should be an early signing period because it has worked out in basketball reasonably well. Uh, it's been in place for over a decade now in that sport. Uh, I think you viewed the December early signing date as a baby step uh, where ultimately you want to work towards an August. Which would make a lot more sense. And uh, that's why I thought, and you and I had disagreements on this off the air, I didn't see a whole lot of activity going to be taking place in December of 2017. But for some schools, in fact, for the majority of the schools, there's a big, a huge push uh, to get kids signed. Uh, you know, some schools are signing 16, 18, 20 kids today uh, as a means of, um, I, I guess, relaxing a little bit more in January and February uh, when the normal signing day comes to, to be. But I think ultimately, <coughs> excuse me, pardon me, I think ultimately we'll find ourselves with an August, an August 15th plus or minus uh, signing date that will be the early signing period. We'll we'll see how that merits out, but I think it makes a lot more sense. The idea was to let kids enjoy their senior year. They've already played their senior year. Now, some coaches, notably Nick Saban, was very against an early signing period. He's complained over the last two weeks about trying to fit this signing day in. Yeah, but Nick Nick complains about anything related to change. Exactly. But Nick, and he's not alone in this, he doesn't want to sign kids before their senior year because he wants to evaluate them during their senior year. That's only half of it. The other half is? If they get hurt, he doesn't want to be stuck with them. That's probably true. and so and, you, But he'll never admit that. He'll I, never admit that. And I don't well, wanna, That's the other part of the equation. I don't want to put it all on Nick. There's other coaches in that camp. But I think that's how we wound up at December. We went from February and we moved the thing up six weeks. It didn't really do anything. So everybody has tried to treat this as the actual signing day. They're trying to force it. If you actually get it back to August, then the schools are going to have to be 100% confident that the kid they're signing can play. And the kid's going to be committed, and if he doesn't want the pressure of the phone ringing over the next four months, wants to enjoy his senior year, then I think we'll get to a more moderate number 
uh, in terms of who signs early. Maybe not, though. Basketball has really turned into the great majority of them sign early, not late. That's that's the way it has worked out. And ultimately, you know, two different sports, but both collegiate sports, you'd think that's the way football would go as well. We'll see. Yeah, anyway, so there's three days of uh, signing day, of course, in the case of Florida State. And you heard uh, from Willie Taggart uh, when he joined Jeff Cameron. He'll join us later in this program as well. He's been a little bit busy the last uh, couple of weeks. But he's got to piece together the rest of his staff. Uh, parts of it are, are getting into place. And I, I just think, and you and I, uh, whatever circles you run in, whoever you run into in the store, whoever's talking Florida State football to you, Keith, if it's anything like what my experience has been, everybody has just been like a weight has been lifted off their shoulder and is refreshed about the state of affairs, even with only three guys signing so far today. There's a, a brand new air about Florida State Athletics. I, I have not personally been over to the Moore Center since uh, the Taggart uh, press conference, which was technically in the Champions Club. Uh, but from people I've talked to that are over there, there's a whole different demeanor about the people that live and work in the Moore Center. You know, that we use this term of walking on eggshells and with such a dominant and sometimes explosive personality as Coach Fisher had, you know, you were a little bit on your P's and Q's anytime he was in the building or any time he was around. And and who knows, I've not seen Coach Taggart get annoyed, angry, or otherwise. I don't know what that looks like. But uh, his demeanor and at least the beginnings uh, has taken some of that pressure off for the rank and file that have to do with the day-to-day business of, of being in, that, in, the, in the Moore Center. So uh, maybe, just maybe. We'll wait and see. Shifting gears a little bit, but sticking with football, it's odd to me because it feels like this has been the longest season in the history of seasons for all the reasons. I mean, the stuff we're talking about now, going back to the hurricane, the build-up to the Alabama game. One week from tonight, Florida State actually will be done with its football season finally. Now, uh, the only bad, the bad part about going to Shreveport is I've been looking at the weather forecast. And uh, and I'll be in the booth. You'll be on the sideline. You may be in the booth with me when everything else is said and done. I might. I'm planning. I'm planning. <laughs> Here's the advantage, though, and I don't usually tell you and Gene this, but, you know, sometimes I can uh, snuggle into those heaters that the players use. Ah. And so, actually – it can be one of the warmer spots on the field. You, you, you've gotten creative in your uh, sideline days. Is I, what you're I have. But, no, I mean, doesn't it seem odd to you? I mean, I feel like we spent from signing day last February until Labor Day weekend talking about Alabama FSU in some form or fashion. And then this season that just went off the rails, and here we are a week away from completely turning the page. It, it's been a long season, yes. Uh, it's been a very trying season, yes. And probably in my 40 years plus or minus of being involved, it's been the most uh, struggling season. I mean, it has required effort on my part to stay focused, to stay positive, to not to not go screaming like a wild hyena into the woods over things that I heard <laughs> or saw going on. Uh, and uh, it's been difficult. I can only imagine what it's been like for the coaches and the players. And with that said, by the way, and – you know, most are moving on. We should uh, congratulate Randy Sanders, who's going to be head coach at uh, East Tennessee State. He will call plays in the bowl game. There's been some question about that. At this point, it's just one more week. So, as uh, Willie Taggart told Jeff Cameron, I mean, he's sort of staying out of the way, and the the coaches that have been on staff are running the show. So, there's not changes in that regard in terms of what the product will look like next week. And I think that's a very smart move on Coach Taggart's part. Uh, that way, when the bowl game is over, then you go full in. Uh, as to whatever the changes are going to be. I, I remember when Coach Fisher – I say Fisher, there's not changes. Tim will talk about yeah. some of them in terms of playing music at practice. Well, yeah. I'm talking about the plays themselves. Uh, correct. And and where I was going was things like the music. Remember when uh, when Jimbo took over, you know, you didn't have first teamers on one bus and second teamers on another. You didn't have the offense on one side of the locker room and the defense on the other. I thought those things were silly, but, I mean, you're a head coach. You can do what you want to. Those are the types of things that we'll see immediately, i.e. things like music at practice. And, and you know, there's even discussion, uh, <coughs> pardon me, about moving practice to the mornings, uh, which I know they do at, at Duke and I think they do at Miami. Uh, and it's something that I believe he did at, at Oregon. Uh, that'll be a huge change for kids. Maybe, maybe a good one, maybe a bad one, I don't know, but a big one. 
Yeah, Tim talked a little bit about that last week, and I don't know that we have confirmation, but you got to get the class schedules aligned to do that. That is correct. A lot of schools do it because there's more options on the classes once once you. Well, get you know that. why there's more options on the classes? When do tenured faculty like to teach? Not at eight in the morning. Exactly. Yeah. So when well, do adjuncts get to teach? Well, let me tell you a side note to practicing in the morning. By the way, if you have to be up and functioning at six in the morning at high intensity. What are you likely not to be doing late at night the previous night? Not anything related to intensity. Yes. <laughs> so point B, there is, there is an upside to that as well. All right. Uh, speaking of uh, intensity and late at night, Madison Social uh, is uh, alive and kicking. You know, they, they have this one disclaimer every year, and I saw it just came through this past Sunday. They actually closed early for the staff holiday party for everybody associated with uh, – Township and Centralia Madison Social, which is a good gesture, but they got that over with. They're back to, to normal business operations, and uh, we encourage you. Matter of fact, if you're not aware, there's a hoops game tomorrow. It's a matinee affair, so two car- o'clock tip. Two o'clock carving around your Christmas shopping, uh, perhaps some lunch over at uh, Madso or post game libations, whatever it may be, and uh, just tell them as always that uh, we sent you their direction. We will have our Seminoles.com insider Tim Linnefelt join us to break down in uh, painstaking detail, very thorough, the extensive list of uh, signees that Florida State has inked so far today when we come back. Uno, dos, trace. You got it. Tim's up next. Front Row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. We are back on a National Signing Day edition of Front Row Knowles. That seems odd to say, but... I said it anyway because we have this early signing period. Tom and Keith with you, and we will go to the Earl Bacon Agency hotline. The Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. And say hello to our Seminoles.com insider, Tim Linnefeld. Tim, how are you? I'm good, man. What's up with you? Not much. Are you enjoying this uh, second edition of signing day now? What's your thoughts? I, I don't know. It doesn't really feel like signing day, you know? It's, it's, I don't know. I, I guess it's fine. Maybe we'll get used to it. It doesn't feel quite right, like. You know, signing day doesn't come until after the bowls and all that kind of stuff. You, you kind of get geared up for it. This is sort of feels, I don't know, unnatural. Yeah, well, we, Keith and I just discussed that it needs to move to August, and, and that should be its permanent home. I don't know how long it'll take to get there, but this week before Christmas in the middle of playoff and bowl prep does not feel like the permanent landing spot for this signing day. Well, no, and kind of like what's the point, right? Like what's the benefit of having it six weeks before normal? Like you said, I think – Summer, July, August kind of makes the most sense because, you know, if a kid wants to get his recruiting process done and focus on his senior year of high school and his senior season, he's able to do that. The college coaches can say, all right, we know who we have in the basket. We can, you know, focus our efforts elsewhere. One less thing to worry about. Uh, I I just don't see, to me, uh, the, the maximum benefit from doing it this week. Tim, did you see, because uh, Tom and I disagreed on this, but did you see the um, percentages being where they are relative to uh, the percentage of your class that you sign? I thought it would be very low. In fact, I think as we sit right now, Florida State has three signees, and, and then you look at other places, it got 12, 14, 16. I thought it would be real low, but it seems that many schools have gone all in on this, and you've got some schools signing 16 or 20 kids today. Yeah, that's that's kind of a surprising thing. You know, I was talking to, to some of the folks who, uh, who who really dive into the recruiting, uh, who who follow that full time, and they said that they expected you know as much as many as seventy five percent of the FBS level prospects to sign you know either today or the next few days. Um, and it sounds like maybe that number might have been conservative too. So yeah, it's definitely a different thing. Now I, I wonder, you know, as, as moving forward, you know, maybe that number will come down a little bit. You did see a handful of guys who were expected to sign today all of a sudden decided that they weren't going to, as as you know, like things, things get a little real once the, the pen you know gets to your hand, so to speak. Uh, but, you know, it's a new thing, a, a new way of, of uh, 
handling this process. And so um, I guess we shouldn't be surprised uh, that a lot of guys elected to use it just because it's, it's a new, shiny, different thing. All right, that said, what can you tell us about the, uh, you know, the short list of people that FSU got signed today? Well, I think they're pretty pleased with what they got. There weren't too many uh, surprises. Uh, Amari Gaynor, obviously the linebacker, the son of Herb Gaynor, uh, a Tallahassee native, uh, guy that's been in the fold for a long time. But, you know, he, he first uh, visited and, and learned Florida State and committed under Jimbo Fisher. So the fact that he was able to, to stay, or I guess that Willie Taggart was able to keep him in the fold is, is definitely a good thing. Uh, and then a uh, big defensive lineman, uh, you know, big offensive lineman. You can never have too many of those guys. It's not exactly a huge group, but, uh, you know, it's, it's weird because we talk so much about, you know, the early signing period, that, that, you know, leading into this, but Florida State's experience with the early signing period uh, is, is kind of unique in, in that it's been a weird couple of, uh, of weeks for Florida State, obviously with the staff turnover and all that. So I think Florida State came into this, you know, knowing that they probably weren't going to have a huge group, uh, you know, get the guys that that, that are they're in and, and ready to go. But I think for Willie Taggart and, and his staff, uh, they sort of had you know their strategy was to focus on the next few weeks leading into the traditional signing day, and, and anybody, any targets there, or anybody that they were they were in on that the Florida State was wasn't in on before. Uh, you know, I think your message to those guys is, hey, hang on a little bit. You can still sign in February, but give us a chance. And I think that's exactly correct. And but I, that's probably a one-time uh, situation uh, for FSU because I think that uh, everybody will fall into one camp or the other that says, "Yeah, I'll go heavy after the early ones, or, or let's uh, wait till February." But this particular time, Coach Taggart's message is, "Wait, give me a chance. I haven't had a chance to get in front of you. You haven't gotten a chance to know me. How about not signing during the early signing period and giving FSU an opportunity to show what we can and, and would mean to you." Well, you can say to him, hey, you know, what do you have to lose? Especially if you're a blue-chip elite guy. It's not like anybody's going to pull your offer if you wait until the February signing day. So uh, I think that's kind of the message that's, that's been here. But you're, but you're right. It's a, it's a one-time thing. Uh, this is obviously a, an unusual place to be for Florida State uh, on the recruiting trail. I mean, you know, if you, you remember when, when Jimbo Fisher was, was taken over following the 2009 season, he was kind of scrambling to get that class together, and, and that group was put together over the course of a few months. I mean, you know, Willie Taggart, at least leading up to this early period, had two weeks. I mean, he literally was introduced to this press conference two weeks ago. So I think if you're if you're him and, and knowing what you're facing, you're not, you're not doing the best you can to do as much as you can leading up to the early signing period. But I think you know, once this, this period is over and then there's the recruiting dead period, I think the run-up to February is going to be really where the, run up, where the rubber meets the road for Florida State and Willie Taggart. And as we've talked about, as people who followed recruiting for a while, you know, at this point, this is not going to be a, a top five class. Uh, you know, there's a chance it could get to the top 10. But even if it finishes as number 17 or 23 or whatever, you know, it, it comes on the heels of three or four consecutive top five classes. So you can have a class that dips down a little bit and and still be perfectly capable of competing at the highest level next year, as long as you don't put back-to-back classes together like that. No, that's exactly right. You have to... You have to, to, to build some momentum. And look, you know, a lot of those, those top classes, I mean, it's, it's based on talent and top-end talent, but a lot of it is based on numbers, too. You know, Jimbo Fisher's first class at Florida State, from a rankings perspective, was one of the lower ones that he had. Uh, but it also produced LaMarcus Joyner and Christian Jones and Kelvin Smith and Kenny Shaw, you know, players who went on to do really big things. You know, you can, you're, you're still allowed to get good players who can make an impact, even if the overall uh you know, the, the total ranking, the team ranking, isn't as high as maybe what you're used to over the last couple of years. Well, and I think you could make the argument that if I were going to pick a long-term place I wanted Florida State to be, I'd only want them to be 20th or 25th in the country in the recruiting wars because I want them to bring some kids in that they can develop as players. I don't want to bring in all the problems that are associated with a top-five class every freaking year. Keith doesn't want <laughs> Keith doesn't want any stars. Yeah, yeah, I'm just saying. I know. Yeah, let, let me go on record for anybody listening. I want as high a race class as possible. <laughs> well, just as long as you understand the problems that come with it, as we've experienced. What's our record? Six and six. See, see, Keith is ornery again right now, Tim. This is what I yeah, deal with I on a regular basis. Well, you keep Call bringing up these ranking things. You know that's my hot button. Well, I will say this. <laughs> I, I do. I have long had a theory. Now, 
the the signing day coverage has gotten much better over the years. It used to be archaic, as I've talked about. I used to host a 900 hotline that people would call to find out who signed where. Oh, I'm glad you clarified that. It wasn't one of those other 900 numbers. But but there used to not be camps that got the top prospects together. Really, the lists were just put together because some recruiting coordinator told a recruiting guy, hey, that guy should be ranked higher. And and now it's not quite as much of that because they have all these camps. And I'm on a long rant. And I'm not really sure where I'm going. Oh, here's the moral of the story, Tim. I'm ready. My theory was that the more drama that's associated with a commit, the less I the, want the, that the kid. The less actual production you're going to see in his career. So all those I mean, kids that wait till 5 p.m. on signing day and have 26 hats in front of them, and everybody in the whole nation's talking about them. There's some sort of – somebody could graph this out, and the productivity on the field, it does not meet the hype is what I'm saying. Maybe so, but I, I can think of a few exceptions to that rule too, you know. Oh, there's exceptions to every rule. I'm just suggesting that I've get seen your, it often. Get your own radio show and you can talk about it. I think the moral <laughs> of the story is what you said. We'll, we'll take a happy medium. You don't want to be 20th or 25th, Keith, but you could live with being between 5 and 12 every year and, you know, maybe not get quite as much drama. I'm, I'm not going to comment. Keith's done with the recruiting talk. Tim, let's get to something that Keith can appreciate, like the music that blares at FSU football practice. Now, I mean, if you if you pulled out, Keith doesn't have an iPod, but if you pulled out his boombox and looked at his literal mixtape, it would be the same one that Willie Taggart and company are playing right now on the practice fields when the team practices. You know what? You say that, and I know you're poking fun at old Keith, and I don't blame you for that. Who can resist? But I will bet that there's more truth to that statement than you realize. You know, they were playing – Kansas out there yesterday. Today, I heard the Scorpions, Rocky Like a Hurricane. Now, obviously, there, there's some other stuff that may, maybe there isn't a lot of overlap, but I'll bet you a Kansas fan. Yes, I am. There you go. There you go. And I like cities as well. Chicago would be just fine. <laughs> yeah, oh, no, they had uh, they had Boston, and a little more than a feeling, too. <laughs> Here you go. That was some of our walk-up music at one point this year, and then, then that BC game happened, and we had to scrap oh, Boston. Gosh. So, you might have listened to that song in practice. Tim, you uh, you wrote an article though about sort of the change, and 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 uh, one of the things I do think that's good about the situation for Coach Taggart, and he hasn't had this because the places he's gone to previously have not been in bowl games, but now he comes in and he literally gets to be a fly on the wall to evaluate what's working, what's not working, what needs to be tweaked, which coaches you know is he going to keep, if any. Which players are not starters, but you know what? I see something in that kid. I mean, he's he's got a chance to literally observe all this right now, and then as soon as we turn the page next week, start implementing. Yeah, it really is an interesting situation. He said so for for him as well. Uh, it's, it's a new experience to kind of be able to get a bird's eye view of everything, not just for players, but for coaches as well. He's, he's evaluating players, and they're not just who's a good player or who's not a good player, but. And he's going to be implementing a new, certainly a new offensive system, and I think we probably expect a new defensive system as well. So he's looking at guys to see, okay, who's a good fit for what I'm trying to do? Who's a guy who maybe wasn't a good fit for what Florida State was doing in the past but could be a good fit moving forward? Uh, and the same thing for coaches. Obviously, some of those coaches from Jimbo Fisher staff are still here coaching to the bowl game, and they have an opportunity to, to show Willie Taggart that, that they want to be here too. They, they belong, and, and they've, I think the phrase he used in his press conference was, you know, align with, with his vision. So, uh, you know, a lot of times coaches are going in blind or you're trying to ask for advice from people who, you know, maybe have ulterior motives for one reason or another, but for him to get this time to, to see and evaluate the program uh, and, and kind of lay out a roadmap for what the next few months are going to look like, that's a pretty valuable thing. All right, Tim, I'm going to take you back. This is going to feel like 10 years ago when you listen to this, but it actually was at the start of this football season is we're going to reflect back on rapid fire that was uh, oh boy the, the beginning the birth the birth of rapid fire well at least for this year we administered this test in august uh maybe a week or two before the alabama game and when you hear these questions tim you'll think back to how high the anticipation was for this season so you ready i'm ready and it's going to start off bad it gets a little better for you though let's let's uh, flash okay. back with rapid fire here DeAndre Francois threw 20 touchdown passes a year ago. Over, under, 20 and a half touchdown passes this year. Over. Leading tackler on the team this year will be? Derwin James. McFadden had eight picks last year. I'm setting the bar at seven and a half. Over or under? Under. The leading rusher on the team will be? Jack Patrick. The leader in touchdowns this year will be? Michael Murray. 
The leader in sacks will be... Josh Sweat. The leading receiver by receptions will be... Nyquan Murray. Second leading receiver. Tate. Trey Marshall was flagged for targeting twice last year. I'm setting the over-under at one and a half. Where are you going? Under, I hope. Ricky Aguayo last year was 19 of 26 on field goals. Fewer or more field goals made this year? More. Fewer or more misses? Fewer. Fourth down conversions a year ago as a team, FSU was three out of five. Will Florida State attempt more fourth down conversions this year than a year ago? They were three for five last year, so more more or less than five attempts. Five's kind of a lot, but I think more. This is hard to fathom, but a year ago, FSU had 15 interceptions. They had 37 total return yards, which basically means every time they made an interception, they fell down. down. So how many games this year until they have more than 37 total INT return yards? Logan Tyler averaged 40.3 yards per punt last year. I'm setting it at 42, so over under 42 yards per punt for his average. I'm leaning under. Touchdowns for uh, Izzo this year. Let's say three and a half. I go under. I think three is a pretty good number. Is Derwin James going to have more sacks or interceptions? This is actually an easy one. Sacks. Easily sacks. All right, Mr. Uh, Big Talker over there. What do you got? How many sacks? How many picks? I I think you're looking at double digits. Will FSU shut out an opponent this year? No. Will they play a team twice? Yes. Point of emphasis this year is that officials don't have to give a sideline warning to coaches uh, or start with those five-yard penalties that they previously did. They can just come over and flag the guy for 15 yards. So I've got the over-under at .5. 15-yard unsportsmanlike conduct penalties on Jimbo this year. I'll pick the under. I think even with that new rule, I think officials are going to be off the... uh, I don't think they're going to be quick to to throw that flag. Tim, you still with us? I for, I forgot that that was like the SA verse. That was the final exam. <laughs> that was the SAT. Yeah, I went to put on a pot of coffee, but I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> wow! When the first question is about how many touchdowns Francois is going to throw, and he finished the year with one, that, one that kind of put the season uh, in perspective. Uh, I didn't. I, even... I think the uh, I think the questions are as indicative of, of anything about this season as any of my answers were. Are you suggesting that my questions were bad, or just that that's where? No, the... no, just. Yeah, we give you an idea of, uh, like you said, the, the hype and the anticipation. You know, the one that really stuck out to me, and the, and the one person who I felt like I need to apologize to, is uh, is Logan Tyler. He was awesome for the most part this year. I, I think that's well said. Yeah, he was really good, and that's. Not that we need to talk too much about next year's team, but both both specialists are coming back, and DJ Matthews pretty good on the return, so we should be pretty good on special teams next year. You know, one question that was not there, we didn't ask it in the preseason. It came somewhere in the middle of the season. I remember it, and I'm pretty sure you took the over, but the question was, would FSU's bowl game be before or after the FSU-Duke basketball game? You remember getting asked that oh, one? Oh, yeah, that, that is a good one. Yeah, good one. I think you went over, and as it turns out, the bowl game is prior to that December 28th Duke game. Anyway, we got a few more questions, and we'll let you get going. I know you got to do your holiday shopping, so you ready here? Let's do it. All right, the uh, postseason edition here of uh, Rapid Fire with our Seminoles.com insider, Tim Linnefelt. Most importantly, as the sideline guy, uh, will it snow in Shreveport uh, on the day of the game next week? No, and and I've been looking pretty closely to to track that. It's not looking very good for it. Okay, will Odell finish his coaching career, head coaching career, as the winningest coach in Florida State history by percentage? Will the coaching staff be in place by two weeks from today, which is January 3rd, the same day FSU plays Carolina in hoops? Yes. Will Auden Tate turn pro, yes or no? No. Will DeMarcus Christmas turn pro, yes or no? No. Will Tavares McFadden turn pro, yes or no? I don't think so. Will Keith Jones lose money in the casinos in Shreveport? Not a chance. That's because he's too cheap That's to spend any. Like. <laughs> Number of signees uh, this week. So uh, right now Florida State's got three. I know there's some other fish out there that you can't discuss. But by the time we're done with Friday, uh, give me a number of – well, I'll, I'll, no, I'll do it this way. Eight and a half. I'll set it at eight and a half, over or under? I say under. Okay. Number of signees total when we're done in February, and I'll set that one at uh, 22 and a half. Probably under. 
final like final recruiting ranking uh, over or under 15 and a half. So if I want to say 15, is that over or under? Well, I'm not sure, but we'll take 15. I know what you meant. <laughs> <laughs> Will there be a quarterback in this signing class? Yes, no. All right, and I can't read my old my own writing on this last one here, so I think I'm I'm out. Oh, here it is. Will Will Cam get Dalvin's uh, freshman rushing record in Shreveport next week? What's he need? I forget. I don't 60, know. 63? Maybe 80. It's less than 100. Yeah, still good. All right. Keith, anything you want to add? No. I, I just appreciate Tim's willingness to play the silly game because – yeah, yeah, yeah. I just sit over here and giggle. I know. Well, you, this, uh, this was a long you version. Asked around, you asked in a roundabout way, but I can't expound on it. I do think Florida State's going to win the game and probably pretty comfortably. Yeah, I guess we could ask our Seminoles.com insider that. Anything else you'd like to add other than that one right. statement? Well, you did when you asked about Odell's winning percentage. But, uh, but yeah, I, I think so. I think this is a kind of a, a unique situation for them. One, I think you really can't overstate how much they like Odell and want to win for him. Uh, but two, you know, man, having having Willie Taggart there to kind of oversee things, and everybody, you know, everybody's sort of auditioning right now. Everybody wants to make a good first impression, and, and those are good motivators for uh, a bowl game. And as we all know, the hot topic uh, around this time of year is, is which team is motivated. Uh, and I think Florida State will be motivated, and I think a motivated Florida State team shouldn't have too much trouble with Southern Mississippi. Tim, we appreciate your work and your willingness, as Keith said, to play along. <laughs> And uh, we will see you next week in Shreve, Vegas. You got it, guys. I'll be there. Merry Christmas. You too. Happy holidays to our Seminoles.com insider. If you're still shopping for that uh, Seminole in your life, go to Seminoles.com and check out what uh, they have got in terms of merchandise there. Tim, Tim's a good sport. He's, he, he's I lost. Right? That was the longest version of yeah. Rapid Fire ever. I didn't even, I didn't even chart it. What's been, what's, what I've enjoyed about knowing Tim, uh, the four or five years I've known him now, is, is – you really need to go to Seminoles.com. You really need to spend some time reading his articles because uh, he is a gifted journalist. Uh, we tease him. Uh, he's, he's one of the buddies uh, that we can have fun with, but he takes his craft very seriously. And uh, the work that uh, he and Lane do on that website uh, is to be commended. Uh, they, they are really, really sticklers for accuracy and professionalism. And I, I just enjoy uh, reading their, their efforts. It's pretty much the polar opposite of this show, is what you're saying. Well, yes. We'll take a break, come back, and uh, try to be as inaccurate as possible when the front row, uh, it's not even the front seat. <laughs> front row Knowles now. It's been that way for a year, so that was right on cue. We'll be back after this. <laughs> Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. Online at ctf.nu. Here's Tom and Keith. Back on Front Row Knowles, that targeting question that uh, we posed in the preseason regarding Trey Marshall. I saw some interesting data last night, Keith. I meant to send it to you, but I didn't. Any guesses as to how many targeting calls were enforced in the ACC this season? Meaning, I'm not counting when Derwin James got flagged for it against Wake Forest and it was waved off after review. I'll go 50. You would think. Six. What? Six. Well, Florida State had four of them. Florida State had two of them. I don't know if they had four of them. Again, I'm not talking about the ones that were not deemed targeting after they review it, the ones that were actually enforced. Florida State had Jacob Pugh in the game against NC State and Emmett Rice against Clemson. If I'm missing one more, then FSU had 50% of them. I'll find the article. It was it was an analysis of the data that Pac-12 led the country. They had 30 calls enforced in their league. The SEC had 27. And so I was shocked, too, just from watching the Florida FSU game with SEC officials where Florida safety could have been called for targeting about seven times in that game, and they let it go. Uh, I was shocked. And they, they actually quoted uh, the ACC coordinator officials, Dennis Pennigan, is it, something like that, who credited the coaches for doing a good job in, in what they're teaching and their fundamentals. But it's surprisingly low. I'm sh- I, I am shocked to repeat. Yeah, I'll find these. Six. Wow. So – 
in tabloid journalism, that reads like this. 33% of the targeting calls in the ACC were against FSU this year. Potentially 50, we've got to do our research. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't take the time to go back. The, the two that FSU got called on that were not actually enforced was Derwin in that Wake Forest game and Jacques Patrick against Duke after that interception. After Remember the they interception, were right. Yeah, I, I don't know if I'm leaving any others out, but I, it was surprisingly low. Wow. What else you want to talk about? Hoops. Hoops. They play tomorrow at 2, Southern two Miss. O'clock. That's, again, a 2 o'clock tip. Both teams uh, stumbled over the weekend. Of course, uh, Coach Sue was up against a pretty doggone good Texas team, uh, and FSU uh, kind of stumbled their way past can't even remember who they beat. Who they beat? Who they lose to? Well, we both called the game. It was Tulane. It was, no, it was Charleston, Charleston Southern. Southern. Well, we won that one. No, the one we lost. Dingling. Oh, Oklahoma State. I Oklahoma was not State. There for that. Yeah. Okay. So we're all crazy. We have. I, I kid you not. I. 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 I promise. We have not been in the eggnog. It. It sounds like it, it does, it doesn't it? <laughs> Here's the. If, if you didn't see the game the other night, and and again they play at two tomorrow against Southern Miss. Uh, Fiondu was was in a boot and didn't right. play, so their rotation was short. Their bigs are short with Chris Kumaji out, and uh, I like Fiondu's game a lot. I don't think that we'll see him tomorrow. I don't know that, but I would suspect with the holiday break there that why play him against Southern Miss if you don't need to, and I don't think it's too serious. But the bigger point is... And no, he did not misspeak. Florida State is playing Southern Mississippi in basketball tomorrow, 2 o'clock tip, and then we'll face Southern Miss... In football. In football on the 27th. It's about to get real interesting with basketball, though, because... I think just about every FSU fan would say that they've – well, they're going to win tomorrow, so they're going to finish the non-conference 11-1, and which is probably better than what most expected. I think most would have picked two losses. 9-3, and 10-2. Yeah. yeah. So they're going to be 11-1. So you're ahead of schedule there. You're disappointed Kumaje's out. And, again, assuming Fiondo's not out long – Fiondo Cabangeli out long-term, you still are going to run into a situation where you're playing better bigs, and it'll get real interesting to see how FSU plays as they get into the ACC, and of course, especially with Duke and Carolina right off the bat. Pardon me. Exactly. The, the ACC schedulers have not done Florida State any favors. Then you play Miami, who has probably been the surpri- not the surprise of the ACC, but certainly the national folks are paying much more attention to what the Hurricanes have been doing. And then you got to play perennial powerhouses, Louisville and Syracuse. Both of them, I guess, technically – could be in a down year, Louisville losing their coach. But, I mean, that's five in a row. Remember the six that Florida State played last year, won five of the six uh, in unbelievable fashion. Uh, the the schedule is very tough once uh, once the new year rolls around. And uh, that is coming up soon. So, anyway, 2 o'clock tomorrow. We're going to step aside here. This is a short segment, but uh, we've got a conversation with uh, head coach Willie Taggart coming up on the other side of this break. So, front row Knowles rolls on momentarily. Tired of your normal two-piece kit? Build your own kit with Makita and Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. Buy a 5-amp hour starter pack and choose two free bare Makita tools. If all you need is an impact driver and recip saw, then that is your kit. You also receive a three-year warranty on lithium-ion tool and battery. Check out other Makita residential construction specials as well. Cornerstone Tool and Fastener is also your home for OSHA-compliant dust solutions for all your concrete needs. Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, 1110 Stucky Ave and 3269 Crawfordville Highway, Tallahassee location, open Saturday. Saturdays, 8 a.m. to noon. We all have dreams. Dreams are persistent things. They crave attention. Dreams look beyond what is and help us see what can be. At Prime Meridian Bank, we believe dreams have power. And when we invest in them, we all get stronger. Prime Meridian Bank. Invested in your dreams. On the web at TryMyBank.com. Member FDIC, equal housing lender. Hey folks, Austin Hobson with Hobson Chevrolet Buick in Cairo, Georgia. This holiday season, a lot of you are planning trips to see friends and family. At Hobson Chevrolet, we have a full service center that will get you in right away to assist with any maintenance or repairs your vehicle may need. If it's time for a new or pre-owned vehicle, we've got you covered. Chevrolet is offering employee pricing on all new 2017 Silverados, Colorados, Cruze, Malibu, Sonic, Impala, Spark, Camaro, Trax, Tahoe, and Suburban. That's right, on virtually all new 2017 vehicles, you pay what we pay. And from all of us at Hobson Chevrolet, Merry Christmas. Christmas from our family to yours. 
Hey folks, Tom Block inviting you to check out Kush's Bayou Rouge. It's South Louisiana cuisine, Cajun at its best. And for you non-experts like me, remember Cajun doesn't mean hot, it means flavorful. And that's exactly what it is. Tab best of Tallahassee six of the last seven years. Everything's made from scratch, healthy choices to choose from, kid-friendly, open seven days per week for lunch and dinner, serving breakfast Wednesday through Sunday, located on the west side of Thomasville Road, just past Cary Forest. And coming soon to College Town. Come on down to Kush's. If one quote can save you 15% on car insurance, imagine how much 9 or 10 quotes might save you. Hello, I'm Bobby Bacon for the Earl Bacon Agency, and we've been independently shopping insurance for local families and businesses for more than 50 years. Our company partners include top national carriers like Auto Owners, Nationwide, Travelers, and Liberty Mutual. And we don't just stop at car insurance. We also shop the best deals on home, health, and life insurance. So if you believe your insurance program could use an upgrade, there's a better way to shop. Call the Earl Bacon Agency at 878 or visit us on the web at earlbacon.com. Front Row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. Back on Front Row Knowles, Tom and KJ with you. Also a shout-out to uh, the fine folks at Cornerstone Tool and Fastener who have uh, been with us, big sponsors of the program, and a good place to stop, uh, Keith, as you pointed out, uh, for, for the guys in your life here as we uh, count down to Christmas and uh, take care of any of those last-minute needs. Well, if, you, if you've got questions, they've got answers, as well as uh, the merchandise that go behind us. So you're not just getting a, 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 a piece of equipment. Uh, you'll be shown how to use it and what to use it for and what its best use is. Uh, they know what they're doing. So thank you to Cornerstone Tool and Faster. I mentioned at the top of the show, and we appreciate our Seminoles.com insider, Tim Linnefelt, joining us. I had a chance to sit down with Coach Willie Taggart. This was literally, uh, he had gotten off a plane after going from West Coast to East Coast and slept a couple hours, I guess, and uh, had not even uh, changed into his suit for his press conference when he first arrived into town. This was his very first morning on campus, uh, and I had a chance to sit down with him and uh, we've got a chance now to share that conversation with you. So uh, this is uh, FSU coach Willie Taggart. Coach, welcome to Florida State. I know this is a, a dream job for you. So I'm curious, when did that dream start? Uh, probably when I was about nine years old. Um, just growing up in Palmetto, Florida, we were um, playing Little League football. And I can remember on those days when Florida State and Miami played, they had TV or something at the car or around the car. We were tailgating at the Little League games. and. Mm-hmm. And watching those games, and, and um, again became a big fan. You know, watching um, Dare Brooks and Charlie Ward and Amp Lee, Ward Dunn, Prime Time. I mean, all <laughs> those guys. You know, just grew up. You wanted to be like a lot of them growing up, and um, you wanted to be a part of it. You know, and I guess I just wasn't that good enough to get into Florida State and play at the time. But um, it's pretty cool how. Um, to go through life and you find a way to get here somehow some way and now I'm the head football coach yeah and I see a smile from ear to ear I mean mm-hmm. has it sunk in it's all happened pretty fast um I don't think it really hit me yet I think it's coming you know but yeah. um it hadn't hit me yet and um just going around looking around just I'm more in a, in a wild factor than anything just like wow it's really you're, you're here and um you got an opportunity to do something great you know Florida State obviously has gone from uh, the Bowden tree mm-hmm to the Saban tree with Coach Fisher, and now the Harbaugh tree. So I'm curious, what are the similarities and differences there among those those coaching trees in terms of philosophy? Well, um, I mean, I can't speak too much of the Saban tree because I haven't been a part of that or the Bowden. I know I feel like I've been a part of the Bowden because I grew <laughs> up just enjoying and loving um, FSU. But I think um, one of the keys is, is, is family atmosphere taking care of your, your, your players, you know, which is so important, making sure you're doing everything and the, the right thing for the players and, and and holding them accountable. And I think with any team out there, discipline is key. And if you're looking at any team that's winning football game, that it starts there, uh, discipline and accountability and and, uh, and love. You know, and you see that on those football teams that win. Uh, you see teams that love each other. Tell us about your offensive philosophy. I mean, you were a quarterback in high school and college, uh, but you've evolved over the last few years, as college football has, in terms of what you do philosophically, offensively. Yeah, and, and the foundation is still there. You know, you uh, evolve 
but the foundation of what you do is still there. Um, uh, running the football, mm-hmm. got to be able to run the football. Um, but I think as as um, time went on for me and and changing some of the, the things that I've been accustomed to, we kind of made it simple, you know. And when anyone asks me about our offense, I just tell them lethal simplicity. You know, we want to be very lethal and score and score fast and and often and and um, and be simple in, in what we're doing and what we're asking our guys to do and and not try to complicate anything. I've seen you quoted saying, have a great day. If you want to. If you want to. Mm-hmm. Obviously that speaks to it's your choice to make it a good day or, or choose to go the other way. But where does that philosophy stem from? When I was at Western Kentucky, we, we had one of our former player and, and great Butch Gilbert used to come out of practice and he always brought a um, butterscotch candy <laughs> out and had for you. And whenever he saw you or whenever you left, he always said, have a great day if you want to, and, you know, and that just stuck with me. And it's like, you know what? You're right. I got. I have a choice on how I want to attack this day, and and uh, and if you attack it the right way, then things will go well. You know, but it's your choice. Yeah, I, I would imagine that resonates well, or just your personality in general with recruiting, which you you have a very good track record of. What what are the keys to recruiting in your mind? Um, relationships. You got to build relationships. Uh, you build a relationships. You're you're open and honest with the kids, and and not necessarily trying to sway them one way or another, but do a great job of selling your program and and how the program can can help that individual. I think that's so so key dealing with young people. We got to help um, help them with their vision and, and where they're trying to go. And as a coach, I just think it's the right thing to do is rather than trying to make the decision for the kid, just sell your school to them and what you have to offer. And, and a lot of time that's enough. But building those relationships personally and, and really getting to know them and, and their parents is, is always key. You're at a place now that has won three national championships. Obviously, you're aware of that. There's never been an African-American football coach in college football to win a national championship. Mm-hmm. What would that mean to you? Uh, it'll be it'll be big time. You know, um, to be able to do it, um, you like to be the first to do it. And since no one has done it, so you like to do it really fast and get there, you know. But it, it'll be nice. I know a lot of people are watching, and a lot of people are counting on me to do a good job, and I take pride in that. I take pride in being a coach, and I want to be one of those coaches that win a national championship. And and I know you need good football players in order to do that. I don't know not one uh, coach out there that didn't have good football players that won a national championship. So got to do a great job of recruiting and getting champions in this program, whether it's players, coaches, or anyone that touched the football program. That's got to be the mindset, and we all got to be working towards that that common goal. And, and, and that's what FSU is all about, is championships. And we all take pride in that and, 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 and live our day that way. Coach, welcome to FSU. Thank you very much. Look and forward. you have a great day if you want to. <laughs> that is uh, Willie Taggart, uh, sort of a peek behind the curtain. Again, that was literally before his press conference when he was introduced. Uh, and thank you to uh, the folks at Seminole Productions that actually aired on the TV side on uh, Inside Seminole Football, which is airing this week. Keith, general thoughts? Two things uh, that jumped out at me. Uh, the, the vision, including accountability and discipline. You know, uh, Kathy and I are blessed to have nine grandchildren, and, and there are certain rules at, at Gangan and Poppy's house. And the kids love being at our house because they know what the rules are. Kids, kids want structure, and whether they're five years old or they're 22 years old, uh, they need structure. And accountability is the benchmark of that discipline because then when you don't do what you're supposed to do, there's ramifications and there's there's things that uh, are correcting, uh, correcting that behavior. Uh, I'm not going to say that Jimbo's squads lacked accountability and discipline. I would just tell you that they didn't have it to the standard that I would want them to have it. And I know I speak for a number of older players that have observed that over the last couple of three years. And the second thing is he's transparent. He, he doesn't put on any airs. You know, that's one of the great things about Coach Bowden. You hear people talk about even at 80, 87, 88 years of age that Coach is comfortable in his own skin. Uh, I, I haven't even met Coach Taggart uh, yet. You, you've had that privilege. I haven't yet. But by his mannerisms and by that press conference and by other things I've read and heard, he's very transparent. There, there is an agenda, but he's not preaching an agenda. The agenda is part of who he is. 
and that transparency comes through, and with that transparency becomes uh, comes trust and believability, and and I think those are two things that will serve him well and have served him well on the recruiting trail. You even heard Odell talk about it after making that first recruiting trip uh, mm-hmm. Thursday and Friday of that first week, and and Odell, uh, who who loves Florida State more than anyone, will tell you that uh, he is already part of the family in the way that he presents FSU to these kids. I thought for those who missed the show the day he was hired, when we had Tim Linnefeld on, to give credit where credit is due, uh, it was it was Tim's phrase. I don't know that I've heard it described better thus far, and obviously we're all still getting to know Coach Taggart. He said, Jimbo knew FSU. Taggart feels FSU because you could hear it in his voice. He, he grew up and lived and died with the Knowles just as we all did. We've got a couple minutes to go uh, to wrap things up, and we'll do that on the other side of this break here on Front Row Knowles. We don't need no thoughts control. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, online at ctf.nu. Here's Tom and Keith. That music and indication, we only have a couple minutes to go. I, I was going to throw a, a spring of question on you, Katie, but I'll save it. There, there'll be time in the offseason to dig more into it. There's, I'm not going to introduce a new topic right here as I normally do. Some big, bold, broad topic and give you 12 seconds to reply. Thank you. <laughs> That's my Christmas gift, right? I will uh, catch up with you next uh, in lovely Shreveport, Louisiana. I've spent one night there in my life. Never been. After uh, we come back to the studio, I will have spent three nights there in my life. (laughs) What's your thoughts on the game? Uh, I'm with Tim. I think if Florida State comes out with with the type of uh, enthusiasm that they should have, uh, that it's a game that the Knowles could win uh, by a couple of three touchdowns. No disrespect to Southern Miss. It's just uh, I think the timing and the way things have come around. Um, this is a team that, uh, you know, in the last three or four ball games of the season we're playing like I guess we we hoped or wished they might play early in the year. Uh, a lot more enthusiasm, a lot more um, uh, good feeling, good vibes, uh, to use the phrase. Uh, I, I do think they rally around uh, Odell. I, I think they are uh, knowing they're auditioning for the new coach. And you put all that together, and it should uh, prove to be a good performance. We'll hope so. The weather, by the way, I not, think not as bad as we anticipate. I think. No, at one point it looked a little worse. Now it's more, it still could be thirty-five to forty degrees during the game. Yeah, but as long as it's not snowing or raining, if it's forty degrees, man, that's that's football weather, particularly for bowl games. Yeah, well, it's that's what it's going to be exactly. He's Keith. Uh, folks, we thank you for uh, tuning in. Wish you and yours uh, a very happy and safe holiday season. Uh, we are going to do a show next week, which will be uh, live from the press box in Shreveport because we will have just finished literally the uh, the Independence Bowl. So we will talk to you then. But uh, be safe. Thanks to Tim. Thanks to Coach Taggart. Thanks to, to you for listening. And we'll Thanks, talk Matthew. To you next week. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays, everybody. We'll talk to you next week on Front Row Knowles. <laughs>